Welcome back, everyone, to Your Life, God's Word, where we take the principles found in Scripture and we apply them to our everyday lives, those areas that are most important, faith, family, and community. All right. Hey, welcome back, everyone. We are here with uh, yet another episode. And uh, I wanted to uh, just pick up where we were uh, last time. We did the, um, we did the kind of opening talking about the, uh, the beast and the kingdom of God. And uh, if you're curious about some of that, go ahead and watch the, uh, the last episode. But we went into Daniel chapter 7. We talked uh, a lot about uh, the the uh, the imagery that the Bible uses with uh, these different beasts being different um, political slash economic um, systems within uh, different ages or uh, different time periods, and it's just you know the imagery that the that the Bible uses, and so. What I want to do today is go to the book of Revelation, and we see a lot of the similar kind of uh, imagery. And the, the whole point of this is to really encourage the people of God to do more and be more than just like, hey, we go to church you know, on Sundays or Sundays in a midweek Bible study or whatever, and we just kind of do our thing, check the box, you know, hold on, buckle up until, you know, we die and we're quote-unquote saved one day, but rather to actually be a force in the earth for the kingdom of God, 
the importance here is to realize there are kingdoms of men that are set up and they're against God. And of course, we know uh, the kingdoms of men uh, most of the time, right, behind them, unless these men, unless the men are willingly submitting to and saying, hey, we, we want Christ, we want uh, Yahweh to be our governing spiritual force, um, then what happens? Generally, behind those men in the spiritual realm, there are demonic forces that are pulling the strings. And uh, we can go to places like Isaiah, what is Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28. Uh, we'll, we'll dive into those, um, I think, in the next in the next podcast to kind of build build the uh, build the case out. But in this particular podcast, uh, this episode, I want to go to the book of Revelation and and do that because this is all over the Bible. It's not just you know just in Daniel. Um, it's not just in Daniel and Revelation. I mean, you've got plenty of places throughout the Word of God. Uh, often it's in prophetic books where where the use of imagery and things like that to tell a story um, is more prevalent, but it's not always um, in just prophetic books like Revelation or Ezekiel or Isaiah. Uh, you can go to Deuteronomy and you can see uh, different uh, aspects of it there. The book of Psalms has things in it, so it's it's really all over the Word of God. Of course, when you go to the Gospels, one of the biggest focal points, one of the biggest things that that uh, the Gospels and the I'll say the Church Age really centers around is this idea of the kingdom of God. I mean, you see Jesus preaching what the kingdom or the gospel of the kingdom, right? The good news of the kingdom. Uh, everything he did really revolved around we're bringing the kingdom of God or he's bringing the kingdom of God into the earth. We as Christians need to start getting a bigger picture, a wider lens on our on our camera here and, and start seeing uh, the forest and the trees, right? It's, it's like we need to stop focusing on one little narrow, I just want to be saved. Like, yeah, okay, great. But what about... What about the, the agenda that God has, right? The agenda that Yahweh has for the church, for this institution that was created through the sending of his son, through the, the blood of Jesus Christ, through the incorporation, um, or, or really the institution of the church, the creation of the church. The original institution in the earth was the family, obviously, um, and now God works through, and he worked through the kingdom of Israel and uh, the patriarchs and all that, but now he works through the church. And so, anyway, we just we just need a bigger view. We need a grander view. I think too often our view is too minuscule. We're just worried about our little family, you know, getting to church, you know, maybe once a week, and, and really even then, right? In, in Western Christianity, right, it's, it's even like if I feel like it. Right, I'll make it once a week. We we just can't have that kind of attitude if we want to have the kind of revival, the kind of experience in the earth that God really wants us to have. So let's go through this. We're gonna go. We're gonna go to the book of Revelation. Uh, we're gonna go to chapter thirteen, Revelation thirteen. Y'all ready? Here we go. 
Revelation 13, 1, And I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns, seven heads, with ten diadems on uh, its horns and blasphemous names on its heads. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's. Its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And to it the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. So, like I said, kingdoms of men backed by spiritual forces that are satanic. Um, pretty clear picture there. When you understand biblical imagery, I guess. I mean, if you don't, I'm, I guess you're looking for some monstrous beast to come up out of the sea and like, like a giant Godzilla movie. <laughs> Which are kind of fun, actually, right? Just kind of the brainless, like, smash the buildings and giant monsters. And look, look, there's Godzilla. He is going to attack and destroy the city. That was, I don't know, that was a terrible Japanese accent, but whatever. Um, but that that's that, that that's not going to happen, right? That, it It's very clear. Again, you look at Daniel. We already did it last time. I'm not going to do it again. It's clear that this is imagery of political, uh, socio-political um, uh, powers, systems that are set up. So verse 3, one of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed. And the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast, and they worshipped the dragon. Remember, the dragon is behind the beast. The beast is this system, this, the, you know, it's, it's controlling, but the, but, the, but the dragon is giving the authority and the power and, and the throne and everything. The throne represents authority and power, right? It's behind this system, this beastly system. Um, and they worshiped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, and who can fight against it? And the beast was given a mouth, uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. Catch that? Allowed to exercise authority. <laughs> right? Everything that goes on the earth. Um, I think this is important for us to understand. Yahweh is in control of everything. He has given dominion and sort of subbed it out to mankind in the earth. And at times, people sub that out to Satan. Um, but ultimately, the authority is in God. It's in Yahweh. And, and he, if he uh, decides enough is enough, then enough is enough, <laughs> right? That's the beauty of this thing. It's like, okay, kingdoms can can rise and fall. The Bible talks about that and how that God determines whether they rise or fall or they are sustained or whatnot and who rules them. Um, he's in ultimate control, and uh, but there are times where, yeah, yeah, a kingdom might rule for a long time and God allows that to happen. Um, so I think we as the people of God, again, need to focus on what kind of earth, what kind of systems, what kind of place do we want to live in? The Bible says in Timothy to, you know, let's go, let's go bring it up. Um, just kind of came to my mind. What is it? First, oh, right offhand, right on the fly. I think it's first Timothy two. Uh, yes. First Timothy two, one. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, 
for kings and all who are in high positions that we, he's talking about the church now, right? That we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So God wants us to be praying for and seeking after uh, quiet, peace. Is that just so we can float along and be quiet and not, not proclaim the gospel? No. The, the church, the mission of the church is to go and spread the kingdom. So Paul is saying God wants us to be engaged in prayer, intercession, supplication for kings, for authority, for these things, so that the church can do its thing, accomplish its mission in a in a a hands-off way. Well, not not the church being hands-off, but the the forces of evil and governments of men, like get your hands off of the church and let the church do its thing without um, a whole bunch of retaliation or pushback or whatnot. Because the church is not saying, hey, everybody just shut up, don't spread the gospel, just go to church on Sunday and just, you know, go along to get along. It's not saying that at all because the church is not there to go along to get along. The church is there as a wing, as a division, uh, as a regiment in the kingdom of God as the uh, the the kingdom of God in the earth. God's kingdom spans all of eternity, right? He, but in, in the heavenlies, he's got the angels. He's got archangels. He's got all these, you know, uh, seraphim and all this stuff going on. Cherubim. Uh, that's all happening in the spiritual realm. Well, in the earth, those things are there, but they're kind of behind the scenes. What is his visible kind of representation in the earth of his kingdom? The the ambassadors in the earth. Who is the church? Everybody knows this. First Corinthians. You can go read First Corinthians, and uh, what is that? First Corinthians chapter. I'm going to get myself in trouble doing this. I'm going to have to solicit the help of Google eventually if I just keep trying to pull up verses from, from the depths of my cobwebby memory. But I think it's 2 Corinthians 5. Ah, uh, yes. Um, let's go to... Verse 11. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others... We persuade others. The church is supposed to be out there persuading people. We have a mission, okay? Uh, but what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not committing ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what's in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it's for you. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this: that one of us died, one ha one of us, <laughs> one has died for all. Therefore, all have died, and He died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for Him who, for their sake, died and was raised. So we're supposed to be out there as a force, bringing people in, persuading people, not living to ourselves, not checking the box once a week on Sunday and hoping that, you know, God lets us into heaven with, you know, on good behavior. But we're supposed to be out there with the kingdom as the forefront. Jesus said in, in uh, 
Uh, Matthew 6, 33, right? Seek first what? Seek first all your own stuff, and then please squeeze me in there somewhere? Is that what God says? Is that what Jesus says? No. Seek first the kingdom of God. Um, so now, 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, I keep saying 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, 16. From now on, therefore, we, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. We're totally new, right? The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that is in Christ, God. So God is in Christ was reconciling the world to himself. So Yahweh is in Christ. He's reconciling the world back to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So we have this message. He has entrusted that message with us. He has commissioned us to do this. Verse 20, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake. He made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So, First Corinthians, I did it again! Your Second Corinthians, I'm sitting here reading it right there, two Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 5, 11 through 21. Go check that out. So what I'm saying is the, the wing the division uh, of the kingdom of God that's in the earth is the church. We are ambassadors. We are ambassadors. And our message is the message of reconciliation back to Yahweh through Jesus Christ. That's our, that's our mission. And he gave all for us. We should give all back to him. Right? That's the way it goes. So, Getting back to Revelation chapter 13, after that seven-minute tangent, <laughs> we're, we're going we're gonna to get back to where we were. So, uh, we have this, you know, haughty, um, spitting-out blasphemy beast, uh, and we have this beast and the dragon behind it allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. Now we get to verse 6. So Revelation 13, 6, it opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and its dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them, allowed to conquer them for a time. Hmm. And authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation, and all who dwell on earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of the life book of life of the Lamb who was slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword must he be slain. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. Then it goes on, verse 11. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose mortal wound was healed. 
It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of the people. And by the signs that it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. Also, it causes all, both great and small, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. It's the number of a, a man, and his number is 666, 666. Uh, so well, let's just go on a little bit here because when we start getting into the mark of the beast and is it a computer chip in our in our in our forehead and all this stuff but check this out if it is then just look at this verse uh, 1 of chapter 14 then I looked and behold on Mount Zion stood the lamb and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads so the mark of the beast. There's also a mark of the lamb. Um, I, I don't want to, you know, uh, <laughs> um, I, I don't want to like damage anybody's, you know, like left behind, you know, theology or whatever. But what people fail to realize is that when they start to, you know, think about what is this going to be? What is this mark of the beast? What is this 666? What, you know, they, they made movies back in like it was in the seventies and people literally had like a 666 on their, on their hand or their forehead. And then, you know, nowadays it's more like, uh, well, maybe it's some kind of technology and maybe that does happen. Okay. But, but listen, it also says there's a mark on the people of God, uh, in their forehead. It's the name of Christ and the father, right? Um, and this isn't the first time we've seen language of, of marks on foreheads. Did you know that? I'm just curious. Did you realize <laughs> Revelation is not the first place in the Bible where people talk about having a mark on their foreheads? Check this out. I want you to check me with your Bible. If you don't believe me, go check these verses out. This is Ezekiel chapter 9, verse 1. Then he cried, in my ears with a loud voice saying, bring near the executioners of the city, each with his destroying weapon in his hand. And behold, six men came from the direction of the upper gate, which faces north, each with his weapon for slaughter in his hand. And with them was a man clothed in linen with a writing case at his waist. And they went in and stood beside the, beside the bronze altar. Now the glory of the God of Israel had gone up from the cherub on which it rested to the threshold of the house. And he called to the man clothed in linen who had the writing case at his waist and the Lord said to him pass through the city through Jerusalem and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over all the abominations that are committed in it and to the others he said in my hearing pass through the city after him and strike 
Your eyes shall not spare. You shall show no pity. Kill old men outright, young men and maidens, little children and women, but touch no one on whom is the mark and begin at my sanctuary. So they began with the elders who were before the house. Then he said to them, defile the house and fill the courts with the slain. Go out. So they went out and struck the city struck in the city. And while they were striking and I, and I was left alone, I fell upon my face and cried, Ah, oh, Lord, will, will you destroy all the remnant of Israel in the outpouring of your wrath on Jerusalem? And it goes on. But listen, talks about these guys who are ready for the slaughter. Sounds like a bunch of evil satanic guys. Wrong. These are God's men ready to go out and slaughter all the evil abominations out in the city, starting at the house of God and then moving outward. And guess what? He says, go and put a mark on the people of God, and everywhere you see that mark on their forehead, this is one that is righteous, you skip over them. Okay? So, again, this idea, this theme, this imagery of a mark to signify something, and that mark being on your forehead, right, which is kind of like the... In the Bible, you know how like in the Bible where, where God calls Ezekiel, he calls Jeremiah, he says like, you know, they're going to, you're going to set your forehead against them or they're, they're going to set theirs against you. It's meaning like, like that's the, that's kind of your, your, your mindset, like you're toward this, this. So, so when you, when a mark is on your forehead, that's like, that's what you're about, man. Boom. This is a mark on the center. The focus of everything is right there on your forehead, Right. It's, it's imagery, okay? So could there be an actual mark? Well, throughout history, there have been things like this, right? There have been times where maybe a nation conquers another nation and they put a mark on them or they make them wear something or this, that, that's nothing new. That, that's as old as dirt. Uh, maybe it's a, some kind of special uh, earring or something they have to, a piece of jewelry they have to wear or whatever. That, that's, that's, Okay, that's happened time and time and time again over throughout human history. But my point here is that let's not get all caught up on, ooh, the mark of the beast. There's a mark that signifies those with the beast. There's a mark that signifies those with the lamb. That's the point. And this is nothing new. You go all the way back to Ezekiel, and the, the, the imagery of a mark on people's foreheads is right there in Ezekiel. And if you didn't know that before watching this podcast, now you know. And you need to hit subscribe and you need to say, whoa, wait a minute. I'm tired of buying into all the fear mongering and nonsense. And let's just get to what the Bible actually says. Okay. Now, I don't know everything either. I'm not saying subscribe because here you're going to get everything and know everything. No, I'm sure there's gobs of stuff I don't know. But I do know this. I do know that lots of places have their little agendas and if they're reading their Bible, which why would you want to go to a place where the people there, leaders and stuff, don't read their Bible? Um, that That's a surefire, like, no, I don't want to go to church somewhere where they don't even read their Bible. If they do read their Bible, are they reading it with eyes open? Did they never see this? Have they never seen this? This is kind of a thing. You read Ezekiel 9, you see all the stuff about a mark in the forehead. Wouldn't, like, a bell go off? Like, whoa, this is interesting. Um, hmm. But honestly, again... I'm trying to give a scriptural perspective for what the Word of God says and empower you, the listener, you. Maybe you're connected with, with, with me on a regular basis. Maybe you're connected at the local church here. 
maybe you're not, but I'm trying to empower you to be the church that we're supposed to be. Not to be scared, fear-mongered, buy the next book about explaining what 666 means and the coming uh, lithium battery-powered uh, purchasing device that's going to go in our hands and our forehead. Because these people, when it was Social Security numbers, that was the mark of the beast. Credit cards is mark of the beast. I mean, every 10 years or so, they have to update their books and or, or just put out a new book, and you got to buy that one too. Instead, I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm not asking for money. I'm saying, let's just read the Bible and be the church we're supposed to be. The church is supposed to be a system set up against the system of the beast. This is the point I'm getting at here, (laughs) okay? The point I'm getting at here is the world system. Again, are people pushing toward a one-world government? Yes and no. If you know anything about what's going on in the world right now, today, uh, at the time of this recording, it is Thursday, March 23rd, 2023. This will probably get released tomorrow, Friday, the 24th. Um, but at this very moment, there is, yes, a shift with uh, you know the World Health Organization and uh, the, the New World Order and... Um, Uh, What's the guy's name? Klaus Schwalbe, the World Economic Forum, and you know, getting trying to push people into, you know, uh, of course they are, of course they are. People who are tyrannical, evil sociopaths and psychopaths that want to dominate people. I mean, ever since you go to the Book of Genesis and read about Nimrod, ever since the fall. For millennia, this is how it has been. People want to consolidate power. This is why there have been world-dominating powers all throughout history, right? Mesopotamia, you got Egypt, you got Persia, you got Rome, you got Greece. I mean, this is, why is this anything new? But when it happens to us, when we're here, and people want to consolidate power and have a world economic forum, all of a sudden, that's the end of the world. It's That's it. Jesus is coming any second. Well, well, this is nothing. This has happened constantly in the earth, constantly, right? Syria, Assyria. Well, well, I already said Egypt, right? Babylon, ancient Babylon. This is, folks, uh, Genghis Khan, Alexander the Great. Were, Were these guys all like the Antichrist? I'm talking the. I'm not talking about the spirit of Antichrist, which literally, while John is writing the book of, you know, first, second, third John, right, it, it, it literally says there's already a spirit of Antichrist going out in the world. That this is. Um, but again, what does all that stuff do? A lot of times, it, it pushes everything in the future and makes us just hold on and wait. Pushes pause on the church. We need to hit the unpause, but we need to hit play. We we need to say no, 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 no. The church is set up as a kingdom against any and every human kingdom that is not subject to Christ. We are in opposition to that. We pray against the forces of evil. We pray against... Look, I do not like the things that the World Economic Forum is pushing and eating bugs and owning nothing and and you'll be happy by 2030 and... Uh, they're consolidating power. They're trying to put people in 15-minute cities and, you know, keep keep control on people. They're trying to get rid of your vehicle with all the green energy garbage. And, I mean, they, yes, 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 yes. 
But did you know there's a massive swell of people who are fighting against this? The BRICS nations, right? Brazil, Russia, India, China. Um, they, they're not down with this. So even with this huge push of one world government and order and everything, there's a massive swath of, it's like 60, 70, 80% of the Earth's population are like, no, we're not down with this. So we're a long way from a one world system, or maybe not. What if it happens tomorrow? Who cares? It doesn't matter if it's one system that is that the dragon is controlling, or if there's 50 different systems that different operators, demonic forces of the dragon are controlling. It does not matter. What matters is that the church realize we decide what kind of life do we want to have on this earth. Do we want to have a peaceable life where we can spread the gospel and we can be triumphant and we can live victoriously? Or do we want to hide in a cave and let Satan rule the earth for however long it goes? I don't know. If, are we going to be here another 100 days? Are we going to be here another 500 years? Are we going to be here another three millennia? I have no idea. But if it's 100 days, 500 years, or three millennia, how about we decide any one of those, the church is going to be the dominating force in the earth? For the next 100 days, the next 500 years, or the next three millennia, we the church is going to be the thing that infiltrates the earth and pushes the kingdom of God. Through violence? No. Through prayer, through the gospel, through submitting to Jesus Christ. But, but again, this is the empowering thing that I'm trying to push out to all of those who would hear. And that is... And there are many other people doing this too. I'm not, it's not me, the one lone voice in the entire earth out of billions of people. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying on this podcast, I am the only one talking right now on this podcast. So the, my point is we need to align with the kingdom of God and understand what this is. Understand that systems of men, they are corrupt. They are evil. And most of them, probably, I mean, I would say all of them, right? They have demonic, satanic spiritual forces behind them. Maybe at varying degrees, maybe some are much more obvious than others, but unless they are submitted to the Lordship of Christ, they are on team Yahweh, guess what? They There's only one other option. They're team Satan, and we need to be a force that is in the earth, pushing the kingdom of God, seeking the kingdom of God, sharing and spreading the kingdom of God, uh, in in truth and in spirit, I would say in, in in a foundational, scriptural, doctrinal way and in an experiential, relational way, as John 4, 23 and 24 talk about. And we see all throughout the book of Acts, for instance. They had strong doctrine, but they had powerful experience and relationship as well. It's not one or the other. It's both. Thank you very much. So that's what I kind of want to get out there uh, going through the book of Revelation. Sometimes it can be like, ooh, it's so scary. It's so crazy. It's so, but honestly, it's, if you let the Bible interpret itself, you, it, you see things a lot more clearly. And you even say, I don't know for certain what this is saying, but if it's this, this, or this, I know what our role in it is. I know what we need to be doing. And that, that, that gives you a lot more confidence, I think, to just be the church. Now, I want to end with this. This is uh, Revelation chapter 19, starting with verse 11. It says, Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, 
The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. I think we know who this is, right? Verse 14, And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. This is our mission. Saddle up and ride, sir, ma'am, whoever you are. Saddle up and ride with Christ. Verse 15, from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty on his robe and on his thigh. He has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Christ is triumphant. Christ is King. Christ is Lord of all, Lord of Lords. We need to get on board with him, and when we are, we need to saddle up and ride. It's not, I'm on board with him, I'm headed back to the stable to you know sit on my hands until it's all over. That is not the mission of the church. The mission of the church is to saddle up and ride, to be out there, to be active, to be pursuing, to be pushing, to be persuading. This is the role of the church. We need to break some of these paradigms that have clogged up our minds, our churches, our leaders, our families for uh, decades, scores of time now. We need to reset and get to a point where we every day wake up and say, how can I be kingdom-minded today? Because there is a kingdom out there, a beast that is rising up out of the sea and is coming after the people in the earth, coming against God, coming against the church. And we have the tools given to us by Christ, following in Him. That is how we can conquer and we can be what He wants us and needs us to be. So, we will get more into some of the background and some of the interacting uh, of this in the next podcast. So, until then, I bid you farewell, wonderful uh, people of God. Uh, I love you, God bless you, and we will catch you on the next podcast.